0: All right, so we are going to have a seven-minute video come on here. Um, Its name is Larry Elder, and he is going to speak about his father. And this morning, we're going to be talking about gratitude. And so when we talk about gratitude, I thought it was important to understand sometimes there's things that we are not (laughs) grateful for when we should be grateful, right? And we have a lot of things that we've been given, but we want what we lack. And so we look to the other side, and I think this is a great story of redemption in that, and his father uh, coming across that. So let's see what we got here. But what a story, right? I don't like you because you're grouchy. I don't like how you're treating me in front of other people. And... It doesn't excuse his dad by any means, but it sure gave him perspective on, on where he came from and what he was doing, where he came to have, have it out with his dad and give his peace to him and realized he was like, well, that's all? That's all that you had? And his dad's like, well, then I've been successful. I've done, I've done right by you because this is what my dad did. Um, matter of fact, I didn't have a dad and all the boyfriends that go through right well, that's kind of like the today's story. In 2 Kings chapter 5, we're going to look at the first 19 verses. It's a story of Naaman. Naaman was a leader of the army, and must have been an amazing soldier for him to stick around, for the king to stick with him, even after having leprosy. And or the skin disease. It doesn't say leprosy necessarily, it does say skin disease. And he gets in there, and he is losing hope. He is losing health, and he, one of his servants reaches out to him and says, hey, I think if you went over to Israel, there's a, a prophet over there that could probably heal you. And he is desperate, and that's what that's the story that we're going to see this morning. So there's a, another story that's going on with this story that's also interesting. So I would encourage you to read Second Kings chapter 4, 5, and 6 together. So you can hear the story of Gehaziel, who should know better and doesn't. And the guy that shouldn't know better does. And it, they dovetail really well together. It's really a beautiful story and how God actually makes the Gentile the hero. And the prophet's assistant we will call him the zero, right? So in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, reads like this. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Now, Samaria is the northern kingdom. It's the the one that turns away from God more than the king of Judah. And right now, Elisha is in that kingdom. Verse 4, Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will... Send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he had took to the king of Israel read with this letter, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. Wow. Who does the king of Israel focus on right away? He focuses on himself. Can I do this? He doesn't even think of God, he doesn't think of God's prophet, and he goes straight to his own talents. He is in a situation very much similar to Larry Elder that we learned about. And we need to remember an attitude of gratitude doesn't come from man. It does not come from man. It is not natural. It doesn't come from kings. It does not come from money. It's not from works or the things that we do. It's not from this world. It is only from God the Father, that we can have an attitude of gratitude for what he has done. And we need to remember this. And as the king of Israel comes into this situation, there's a little bit of hope in Naaman. Naaman comes expectantly to the king that he would know who this prophet is because you start high, you go low, and he doesn't even bring Elisha's name up. He's like, oh boy, we are in trouble. What am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? And he can't fix this. And that's the whole point. That's what God is trying to show the king of Israel. He's trying to also show this to Naaman. You cannot fix this. This is not something you can do. This only has, can be done by the power of God through his grace and his mercy that we are going to pull this off. So how do we react when things in this world don't go our way? How do we respond? Do we give God the glory in the gloom? Many times I am very good at not doing that I'm, re- I'm good at just sitting in the gloom and we need to realize that God gives us the good and the bad. He allows the bad to happen. He gives us the good, doesn't he? And if he's given us the bad, then he's done it for a purpose. and all things work out according to his good according to his purpose God's got a plan maybe something was interfering with that plan so he removed that something maybe there's something that you are walking down the wrong road and so God creates a hole that you can't go any farther so you have to turn around and go back to where you once came I've had both those situations happen in my life let me tell you they're not fun they're painful, and downright, most of the time, they're embarrassing, aren't they? How many of us like to get caught in our sin? Just fixing my hair, right? That's what, that's what we always did in, in the fourth grade when we didn't know the answer. We'd raise our hand, oh, just fixing my hair, but we didn't want... Uh, we always competed against Megan Cunningham. You know, she would always have the answer right away, so it was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Megan's going to have to get that one, <laughs> Right? And so we do that with our righteousness, don't we? We try to put in our self-righteousness, and we can't do that. Our self-righteousness isn't going to add up. And an attitude of gratitude, it comes from grace and mercy through faith in God. We can have faith in many things, and many things can have faith in us. But I think what is, blows me away is God's faith in me. He's always faithful, isn't he? He always gives me the benefit of the doubt. He is always willing to extend his forgiveness through his grace. And that blows my mind that I can still do good things and wonderful, amazing things through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ because he has chosen me even when I reject him. Sometimes to his face. Don't do that. There's a hole down that road. I'm going to go jump in that hole and I'm going to dance around in it. Right? We like to sin, don't we? But God, through his redemption, through his power, can redeem us of that hole and get us out. So what is this grace? What is it? Well, simply put, it's when we get what we don't deserve, right? When we get what we don't deserve. A good example of this is when, if you're ever on vacation, or it maybe it's the holidays and the, the eating schedule is... Your kids usually eats at school at 11:15. They your family said we're going to eat at noon, 45 minutes. We're okay, but the turkey's not done. And it goes to 1:130 1, 1 before the eating goes and here the kid is hungry and wanting to eat, but they can't express that. All they can express is they're grumpy, right? And so they're screaming and acting like some terror from the down under. And we're not talking Australia. And you're wondering, what are we going to do with this? And they haven't behaved all day, or he or she is asking them for a treat. Maybe they've tied them over. Maybe they've discovered that what they need is a little something in their belly to get them to lunch. And grace allows the treat. They don't deserve it. They have not earned it, but they receive it. That's grace. That's a good example of grace. Does that help understand what grace looks like? So what is mercy? What is mercy? Mercy often comes alongside grace, very similar. It's simply put as when we don't get what we do deserve. So said child is acting up, and you think... A good swat on the butt or maybe your father thinks you know if you were that age I would give you a good swat on the butt but instead you try to figure out the problem is it something that's fixable that maybe you need to take some responsibility for since it's now 1 and they have an 8 and they're 4 they can't do that that's one thing I love just a sidebar my kids age if we get out of here at 1 o'clock they're still okay and they can, we don't usually fight till we get to the restaurant, so that's nice, right? Sometimes not at all, right? And that's, I love that eight, nine, that my youngest is that young and um, old enough to be able to understand that, well, I'm hungry, I need something before we go. Great. But you see that building up. They've acted out. They've screamed at you disrespectfully in front of many other people. There's some times when that requires discipline of a spanking. But there's other times where you choose not to. And you say, I'm going to extend my mercy and I'm not going to discipline you. Rather, we're going to try this little sandwich thing that you've been snacking on. And try another one of those. Now... That all depends on how they woke up that morning if they decided they didn't want their jeans and they wanted leggings. That may or may not have happened yesterday. <laughs> she did not get a spanking, though. She was very good. She, this scenario didn't happen, but she was grumpy at the beginning and grumpy at the end, good throughout the middle. So, my youngest. An attitude of gratitude does not come from man, and an attitude of gratitude comes from grace and mercy through faith in God and I can get more specifically faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Let's continue on. In 2 Kings chapter 5, 8 through 14, it says, When Elisha, the son, or Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him a message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went to his with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored. You will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and he thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me from leprosy. Are not the Abana and "'Farpar rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? "'Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed?' "'So he turned and went off in a rage. "'But Naaman's servant, servants went to him and said, "'Father, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, "'would you have not have done it? "'How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed?' "'So he went down and dipped himself into the Jordan seven times,' as the man of god had told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy wow the attitude of gratitude is not motivated by man i thought you would come and do it this way i thought you would come and and say calling the name of the lord and this grand thing would happen, and I could go back and live my life just like I used to. That's kind of what he's saying there. You know, this is something that I don't appreciate. I don't like being a leper. It's itchy. It's it's the worst thing that you could go through for day in and day out. I can't get any sleep because I'm worried my nose is going to fall off or whatever it may be, right? We don't know how bad it was for him. He's got to stay away from his troops. He can go into battle because if he infects them with leprosy, well, that's just one way to kill the enemy again, right? And so Naaman wants to buy his way into his health. He wants to say, okay, I got this letter from the Assyrian king, which the Assyrians were so evil to the Israelites, so evil. This is the same people that were of Nineveh that um, Jonah didn't want to go talk to because they were so evil and they invented new ways. They had the the precursor to crucifixion came from the Assyrians inventing new ways to kill the Jewish people. And so not only does he have this official letter, they got the power, they are the authority of the day. He's got that behind him. He comes with 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothes. Out of all those things, if he had two sets of clothes, a man would be doing well. So you can only imagine what kind of fortune he's bringing to get himself not only how much he he values his health, but how much his king values Naaman. It is unbelievable, unfathomable. And we see in verses 8 through 10 that Elisha's reaction to Naaman, he sends a messenger to him. He doesn't even go out and greet him. He may be right outside the door. He may be a long way off. He sends his messenger Servant to him, and he tells him what to do. And he's like, I can't believe I deserve better than this. I am the man of the house, and you got to listen to me. And he pounds, and he stomps off in a rage. Right? Sound familiar? Unfortunately. And so he was insulted on how he was being treated. In a sense, Elisha is saying, who are you, Naaman? Who are you to have this pompous attitude? Who are you to come with this pride? Once you get an encounter by the Lord Jesus Christ via the Holy Spirit, in this case, because it's pre-Jesus, right? Once you get that encounter, I don't want you walking away from here without surrendering so i'm not asking you if i can heal you or not that's not the challenge here the challenge and the competition in a sense is for your heart are you willing to give up your heart and that is what Elisha is telling him he says go wash in the jordan seven times and right away he comes up with a new excuse Well, I could go to the two rivers of Damascus and I could get healed. They're better waters. And if you go there today, they say the same things. Those are some of the best rivers ever. There's healing properties even in them today. And you want me to go wash in the Jordan? Are you kidding me? It's gross and it's dirty. It's fast. It's got all that sediment in it. It's not going to do anything compared to the the two rivers that I've tried in the past. This is ridiculous. I might as well go home. But to you and I, we must remember, gratitude does not come with pomp and circumstance, does it? It doesn't come in and and we're like, Oh, there's Pastor Shady's back from vacation. Oh, I'm wonderful. I didn't know what we were going to do. Right? And now, I don't expect that. And I don't think any of you guys expect that when you walk in the door. Right? Oh, there's Danielle. Oh, there's Brenda. There's Craig. I'm so glad. Oh, you know, I was thinking the Christmas story like that. It's uh, Ralphie when he is. Going in there, and they're like, Oh, Ralphie, what would you like? Well, I would like that Red Rider BB. Oh, Ralphie, come save us. And it's that imagination, you know, that might be going on in my head, but that is not uh, my expectation at all. And it's so funny. I, I, I see that. And sometimes you, you can, you can sense some people that they walk into the church and you're just, they expect you to come up and say, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. I am glad you're here, by the way. Um, But I also am appreciative of of you allowing me to give you that gratitude instead of having that expectation of gratitude. Does that make sense? That's that's a humble heart. That's a a good sign of a humble heart, okay? And if I miss somebody this morning, (laughs) you're like, well, you didn't come up to me. You don't want me to be here? I want you all to be here, okay? I'm just going to clarify that right away. Right? So <laughs> That's right. You shoot your eye out. That's right., You'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> Don't get me started. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's good. That's, It's getting that time of year. Yes. CJ's reminding us not to stick our tongue to the pole, right? So gratitude doesn't come with pompous circumstance. True gratitude is an act of worship. Right? True gratitude is an act of worship because when you are grateful for what you've received, you have this contentment, and it is not about you. It is about who's given it to you. It's about the ultimate giver, Jesus Christ and the Lord God our Father. And we give thanksgiving and praise to those who have hands that have given us these things, right? So we thank him for what he has given us in the hard times. We thank him for what he's given us through those hard times. And we thank him for giving us after those hard times. Right? So in the hard times, through the hard times, and after the hard times. There's a few people I've met. It just seems like the hard times just never go away. Now, some of that is self-prophecy. Self-fulfilling prophecy. They they're like, woe's me all the time, and so the it never goes away. That is not really having an attitude of gratitude, unfortunately. That's false humility, and that is something that is dangerous that can ensnare each one of us. Well, you know, I I got a raise at work, but then I got moved to a different department. They took that away. Well, you wonder why, and all these things, and it's just uh, you can have a Debbie Downer, Eeyore type person, or there could be um, there could be an opposite of that where they're so excited that they can't hold themselves uh, down because they're so excited, and they can ruin things through that excitement as well. Or you have somebody that's very successful in their thing, they finally arrive to the position where they can have success, and they all of a sudden get hurt and can't go on. You're like, well, can you play through that, or can you do work through that? No, no, and now their success has gone away, and it's self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Now, there are circumstances in all those situations where that's happened. And God can steer us through those. Maybe He doesn't want us to go there, and so maybe we injure something. Maybe we break something, we have to stay home from something and can't do. But there's sometimes there's a pattern that we got to walk out of as well. And then in those times of trouble, in those times where it's clear that God has put this in your path, we have to ask this question, who am I? be loved by God. It's a need to breathe song. Who am I to be loved by you? I'm a nobody. Trying to tell everybody all about somebody. Save my soul. That's a Mercy Me song. You can tell I listen to some Christian music every once in a while. (laughs) That's right. Oh, but I know something that Naaman does not, right? I know something he does not that I could be born again as a child of the king. And I think Naaman suspects it. I really do. I think he suspects if I go do this thing, it's so simple. If I am healed from this, it's going to be a bigger life change than what I want to commit. And I'm walking away from this because I'm going to betray my whole life. This. And what do his servants say? They get a hold of him and say, Listen, if they said to climb the highest mountain and to defeat 10,000 of your enemy, you would do it without question. To do something so simple, who gets a glory in that? Naaman doesn't, does he? In climbing the mountain, he can take that glory. In defeating 10,000 of his enemies, he can take that glory. He can say, I did that by myself. I deserve this. And God says, no. It's something as simple as dipping seven times in this dirty river that couldn't clean your dishes, right? It can't get the job done. It would never clean anything. You would laugh if somebody said, go dip in the Jordan, right? The Jordan today is a little different, it's a little slower than what it was back then. And if it's ever at a flood stage, it would still be like this. And he's got to go dip in the Jordan. So he goes and does that. And his reaction is, first he wants to say, God, let's do it my way. Yeah, let's do it my way. We're going to have... Elisha, come out, and he's going to stand there, and he's going to call down from his God, and he's going to do this thing. But no, he says, no, he didn't come out. He didn't call on his God. He told me to do something so simple, which is, might be a little frustrating because this is not the first time that Naaman's tried to heal himself or get healed from this leprosy. I can guarantee that because any man's going to try to fix himself, Right? I want you to wave your hand over the spot, and I'll be cured. The problem, Naaman, was dependent on Elijah's faith and not his own. God says, to get healed is not enough on the outside. I want to heal your heart. And so to do that, you need to surrender. Remember, friend, God is not bound to our limited abilities. Because if he were, it'd be like a seven-month-year-old trying to get breakfast for us, right? Think about that. You ever ever held a baby? We've got a couple of them around here running around, right? You ever ask a seven-month-old to get your breakfast for you? They could barely crawl, right? Go on. Go get breakfast. Bring some for me. Right? That's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. To do this job, it's going to require Naaman to have faith. And we... No, cleaning up anything that is not, it's not always pretty, and it's rarely fun. How many people like to do the dishes after the Thanksgiving meal? Not many. And the Abana and uh, Farpar rivers, they were much cleaner than the Jordan. However, the cleansing of Naaman's soul, this is what God is after. Yet, it was not easy. It's never easy to deal with our sin because it calls for humility. It calls for our pride to be set aside and say, I've done something wrong. Forgive me. It's not easy. It's not fun. But it is necessary. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness is the beginning of faith, people. Forgiveness is the beginning of faith because it takes faith to believe in someone bigger than you that can has the ability to forgive sins. And if you ask for forgiveness, you've implemented faith. Faith is the foundation of love, and gratitude is one way to express our love to the Father when we thank God for what he's given, when we give him the praise and the glory and the honor for what he has done for us and what he's about to do. If we lack forgiveness, there is no faith in God at all. And if faith and it is faith in our own power to save us, not in God's power. If we don't ask for forgiveness, we don't ask this, then we are relying on our self-righteousness to get the job done, and self-righteousness can only get so far. Right? There's a great chasm between God and ourselves. And if you rely on your self-righteousness, you can slide that plank out, oh, probably three, four foot, and then you can take a running start and you can jump off that plank and it'll be sturdy, but it's still not going to get you to the other side, is it? Self-righteousness will fall short every single time. And what we're looking for is that bridge. Who is going to get across that gap? And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. When he lays down that cross, across that gap, it goes all the way across. He brings us back to God. And then his path is the only way, the only truth. And he is the life that allows us to get to the other side. Amen? The attitude of gratitude, therefore, is a choice. Naaman, like many of us, turned off in a rage. Naaman wanted control. He wanted forgiveness on his own terms. He did not want to follow the cleansing ritual in the river Jordan because it was just too simple. If it worked, he'd be submitting to the God of Israel, and that is not working for him. He would rather have his control, and he'd rather do it my way. Right? That famous song, that we hear so often, I did it my way. Well, I hate to tell you this, but there's not much more wicked song ever been sung in the Americas than that song. Because what you're telling God is you're putting your thumb up to him and saying, oh yeah, well, I'm going to do it my way and we're going to see how it works out. Sometimes it works out just fine. And you believe the lie that doing it your way is going to be the right way. It's the only way that's going to lead to the highway of hell, right? Don't ask me to say that again because I probably can't, right? Jesus is the only way, the only truth the life. We need to follow his way because when we surrender to him, he releases us into the beings that we're supposed to be, human beings we should be human livings at that point, Right? We've been transformed. We've been busted out of this cocoon and transformed. So, how are we doing when it comes to confronting, when we are confronted with suffering and hurt like Naaman has been? Remember, we choose our attitude. We are not given a bad attitude, it is a choice. Circumstances don't choose our attitude. Life does not choose. Gifts. They do not choose. People don't choose. Naaman had a choice and he chose to get angry and he about walked away. Praise God for good friends that convinced him. What's it going to hurt to try? What's it going to hurt to try? You were told how to be healed. This hasn't cost you anything. He hasn't even demanded money yet, he hasn't asked for anything. He told you to go get healed. How angry was he? He was so angry, he turns from the solution to go live with the problem. Does that make any sense? Think about that. He turns from the solution to go live with the problem. I'm going to go, no, I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. I can't believe he didn't come out here. And I. Fine, I'll just deal with that. I've dealt with it this long, this far. I got my hopes up. This is ridiculous. They sent me out here to this no man's land. You should have been up at the palace with your king, which he should have been, but the king kicked him out, right? And he said, now he says you can heal me. He said, you said that. I thought you'd come out and call the name of the Lord your God, and this was going to all change. It hasn't changed. I can't believe the circumstances. I'm out of here. It's ridiculous. It should kill you. That's probably what he's thinking, right? He walked away in a rage, is what it says. However, he had one thing going for him. He was willing to listen to his servants, right? How many? That's a humbling thing. When his servants are playing with him, you can, you can be rescued from this. He listened to wise counsel, he listens to their meager servants and the mere slaves in his household, and he dipped seven times in the Jordan as he humbles himself. God shows up, and he receives skin like a newborn baby skin. God does not go halfway, does he? He doesn't go halfway. When he cleanses us, he cleanses us 100%. And as a result, Naaman was changed forever from the inside out. Remember, the attitude of gratitude is not motivated by man. An attitude of gratitude is also a choice. It's a choice. Let's finish off the 15 through 19. The Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He he stood before him and said, Now I I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said, said Naaman, please let me your servant be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to another god but the lord but many of the lord but may the lord forgive your servant from the for this one thing when his master enters the temple of Rimmon to bow down he is leaning on my arm i have to bow there also when i bow in the temple of Rimnon, may the lord forgive your servant for this, Elisha says, go in peace. Why does he say go in peace? Because it's a matter of the heart, right? His heart has not bowed down to that God, only, um, only his body. An attitude of gratitude is life-changing. When we get in a rant and a rave, Is it ever, man, I'm just so happy, I'm so glad that I got this. Look, look at all the things that the Lord's provided for me. I got a vehicle to get here on this Sunday. I, I got friends to, to encourage me. I have clothes on my back. I have uh, food, and I had fellowship over this past weekend. It's been a blessing. No, that's not what we dwell on, is it? We dwell on things that, well, so-and-so didn't talk to me. And my shoe's got a hole in it now. It's not where I put my foot in, if you know what I mean. And I stepped out this morning and I got my socks all wet because there was snow on the ground. We always dwell on the bad, don't we? It is a choice to dwell on gratitude. Lord, thank you for painting this white canvas white so we can see how your redemption and your love has cleansed us from all our sin, ouch! I know I just stepped on some toes there. It's a good thing I got my steel-toe boots on this morning. i uh, will be stepping on my own. At this point, Naaman is—he is compelled to give to give something to the true God. He was awakened. He was changed forever. He wants to do something for the Lord. First, he tries to buy this. What's the attractiveness of buying his healing? He doesn't have to surrender, does he? If he can pay for the healing, he can still be his own God. Right? That's not what it's about. It's not what it's about, folks. He, I have noticed when it comes to life, and putting it into perspective, your attitude falls in line. Naaman, like all of us, has... Nothing he can give to Elisha to pay for the debt. He tries with gold and silver and changes of clothes, but nothing adds up to the cost of the debt that he has to pay. And Elisha refuses payment, leaving Naaman to make a major decision. Naaman chooses an attitude of worship. He says, allow me to take as much earth as two donkeys will handle and that if I have those, I will worship only the Lord your God. It's a symbolism to say that the God of Israel is my God of my household. We will worship him from now on. Naaman chooses an attitude of worship. He surrenders his life to the true God, and Naaman chooses to worship God of Israel and no other gods. He chooses a life for God. In a sacrificial way, Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, you deserve to be punished. But in, in view of that, God has not done that. To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. That's the NIV. This is your true and proper worship. An attitude of gratitude is the result of a transformed heart. A transformed heart. I will close with this. If your attitude is not where you or maybe other people that you respect think it should be or want it to be, then you need to examine your heart. Why do I say that? Why do I say you or other people examine, right? I say that. Because sometimes we have an expectation that I'm good enough. And people you respect say, yeah, you could be doing a little better, right? As a Christ follower, I always want to be a little bit better. I want to do just a little bit more every day to be more like Jesus. So it's a growing process. It's, it's continual. So we need to examine our hearts. We need to ask our question, who holds your heart? Is it you? Are you in control? Then I gotta ask, how's that working out for you? I know every time I hold my heart, it never works out well. I always fall short. I always don't get up to my expectation. I always don't have enough. I'm not grateful for what I have. And finally, are you willing to give that control to Jesus? Are you willing to allow Him? be enough for you so then we don't have to want what we lack a clean heart starts with forgiveness we need to forgive ourselves many times we've let ourselves down we let others down we need to forgive others for what they've done to us in our past our present or our future and sometimes we need to forgive god because he becomes the fall guy many times or we say, it was your fault. You're the one that did this. And how angry can we get there? Because We just don't understand what we're talking about. A clean heart ends with surrender to God. It starts with forgiveness. It ends with surrender to God. As God, a God who loves you, a God who wants the best for you, he's provided that by giving us his best, his one and only Holy Son. God is a God who is in control. He is a protector for those who walk in his way. My question to you today is, are you ready to transform your heart today? Because I got to ask, how many of us is guaranteed tomorrow? Not one of us, right? It's time to do business with the Lord today. I mean, we can be like Larry Elder. We can harden our hearts to our heavenly daddy and say, I don't like it. I don't appreciate it when you discipline me that way. You did it in front of the whole church. You did it in front of all my friends. Everybody saw what I did, and I can't believe you disciplined me that way. And he's like, oh, Is that all? Let me tell you about a time I gave you my son. He came down. You treated him like trash. You didn't listen to his teachings. And when you finally did, only just enough to get mad at him to crucify him on the cross. Fortunately, my son was stronger than the death that you could throw at him, and he raised three days later. And in that, he deserves your honor and praise and glory. So do you think God understands what it means to be humiliated? Do you think God understands what it means to be rejected? Do you think God understands why he needs to discipline us? Absolutely he does. Absolutely. So the question is, are you ready to transform your heart today? or Because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We need to get down to business to find out How to do it his way because an attitude of gratitude is life-changing an attitude of gratitude is a result of a transformed heart there's five steps in the beginning of that transformation right now it's popular today to say well you know you don't really need to ask Jesus into your heart you don't need to ask Jesus in your heart and the way they're saying that is true However, it is important to surrender to Jesus Christ. And I think an easy way to do that, the first step is asking Jesus into your heart. Why do I think that is true? Because it's an act of surrender. It's the first time you surrender to God. Don't worry, there'll be plenty more. that goes in after that. And when you surrender to him, he can transform you by the renewing of your mind, which will transfer down to your heart which will come out into your lifestyle. If you don't see a change in your lifestyle, you have not transformed your heart for sure, and your mind probably hasn't got changed that much. So we are all sinners. And we can't get to heaven on our own, right? That's the first thing. We have sin. There's angst between, there's a, there's a barrier between me and God. We call it sin, something I've screwed up. Fortunately, God sent his son to pay the price for our sin by dying on the cross as a perfect sacrifice so he busts that wall he allows us a path to go to heaven through him and we all need to have a personal and i will say active faith in jesus to get to heaven it cannot be just namesake you have to put it into action the hebrew when you said to have faith in something it was understood it was knowing and doing it was the same it's the same word in the hebrew okay he offers this to us as a free gift and this might be the most difficult part because we want to pay for that redemption we want to pay to get this done and if we choose to pay that is called self-righteousness. It's righteousness of self. I cannot do it. We've all already established that Pastor Shane's a sinner, and you are too, right? When you admit that, self-righteousness, don't get the job done. My proper English there, right? The only one that can deliver us out of that is somebody who is 100% righteous, and that's Jesus Christ. He can deliver us, So that's when we ask for forgiveness for what he's done on the cross. He can defeat death. Will you defeat the death and the sin in my life? That's five steps right there, okay? Explain the long way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you. I need you to get to heaven. I need you for tomorrow. I need you to help me to get through the day today. I can't do this on my own. I've tried many times. I've tried to use my self-righteousness. I've tried to do it my way. I cannot do it. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for relying on my, the power of myself. Forgive me for sinning and ignoring your call in my life. Lord, I surrender to you this day and I ask you to come into my heart, change my mind, change my heart, and change my lifestyle so I can live for you. Lord, we pray for those that have prayed that for the first time today and we pray that they would truly mean that. That they would come to know you in a personal way. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your kingdom. We thank you that we can be disciple makers of Jesus Christ, that we can not only come out and go forth, but you are leading the way. We praise you. We give the honor and the glory. Lord, we're thankful for what you've given to us. We thank you for this church body. We thank you for this... Uh, community that we are allowed to minister in, Lord, I pray that we would well up out of the wellspring of the Holy Spirit and pour out into this community what it means to be a generous and cheerful giver. And we can do that through our attitudes and through our lifestyle that we have. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us a disciple-making way of life in Christ Jesus. As we go through every part of this day, help us to love you and to love the people who cross our paths, starting with our families. Don't let us miss the adventures you are sending our way to live and to speak the good news about Jesus today, but draw our hearts to you and to specific people you want us to pull close for Jesus like disciple making friendships. By your word and spirit, transform me into a follower of Jesus who loves you, who loves people, who makes disciples, who makes more disciples. Ad infinitum, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.